The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And thanks for joining us again on Winning Ponies. Hope you had a winning weekend. Of course, the return of California Chrome. We'll get into that. The lineup tonight is going to be a good one. One person breaking their maiden and another expert handicapper that's been on several times before. Out of the gate, our first guest will be Steve Bick. Uh, you know him from At the Races with Steve Bick. He's got a very, very interesting background, but I'll tell you what, he's got what uh, is an exciting but could be a very tough job. Three hours a day during the week, he talks racing on the radio. You can get him on uh, Sirius uh, 220 and XM 206. Uh, also, if you uh, go to his uh, website, uh, you're probably busy sometimes during the day. Uh, you can pull down his broadcasts, and they're just fantastic. The guests that he have, has on are the creme de la creme of thoroughbred racing. So Steve will be our, our first guest. And then our handicapper is going to be uh, Dean Kepler. Now, uh, you probably remember him from uh, Kep's Corner on the Pollock Report. Uh, he is also uh, an author, worked many years with the Daily Racing Form. He wrote the book Trainer Angles and Betting the Kentucky Derby. I uh, used to be uh, a regular contributor to Horse Player Magazine when they were still in existence. So uh, Dean Kepler, certainly a lot of experience there. And uh, things are starting to gear up for the three-year-olds. And one of the big races with uh, uh, Derby relevance will be the LeCompte down at the fairgrounds. It's going to be a stepping stone eventually to the Louisiana Derby. So we're going to take a look at the LeCompte. And before that, there's a, there's a race. It's not graded. It's 150000 It's a silver bullet day. But this is a stepping stone for all of the female races that, w- that will have eventually Kentucky Oaks points at the fairgrounds. Then we got a big day of racing uh, down at Gulfstream. It's uh, the Sunshine Millions. Um, I'll be a whole day of uh, Florida breads and a slew of stakes races. We're just going to key in on one, and that would be the Sunshine Millions Classic, a quarter of million dollars up for grabs. And last year's winner is back in the field. And then as time allows, hopefully we'll get out to Santa Anita for the La Canada. It's a grade two, $200,000, mile and a 16th. And uh, a very evenly matched group of girls going in that one. All right, so Steve Bick and Dean Kepler will be our guests. Now, 
hope you pulled down some of your easy win forms from our website at Winning Ponies. Pulled down some nice winners. Again, we cover races from coast to coast. The biggest hit that we've had in a while was a Turf Paradise on the 4th. A 50-cent pick four paid over 11 thousand dollars obviously it's not the powerball but it'll certainly pay some bills at home uh all the way over the other side down at tampa bay down we had a one dollar super high five that paid three thousand nine hundred and thirty three dollars and uh golf string very popular this time of year uh on the eighth we had a one dollar super five key that paid two thousand one hundred twenty two dollars and a $1 Super 5 key the following day that paid $2,279. Well, hopefully you got to the track or you got to get out and watch it at one of your favorite uh, racing centers, the San Pasqual, the return of California Chrome. He had been away from the races since the Dubai World Cup where he finished second. And what a great return it was. Uh, he spurted out of the gate and decided to settle behind a long shot alpha bird. He was about uh, length and a half, but he looked like himself. He, lo- he, looked, he looked hungry to, to get it done. And so he, he, he tracked him down uh, t- about 24 and uh, 4 and then uh, 49 and 1. And then uh, he just kind of ratcheted it up around the turn. Victor Espinosa said, go, baby, go, and he did. So congratulations to the 78-year-old trainer, Art Sherman. Big celebration in the winner's circle, as one would ex- expect. Um, now, California Chrome did hold off. Imperative was in the second spot there. Uh, Imperative uh, didn't win a race last year. Now he can say he ran second to the champion, California Chrome. Opportunity was flying at the end, but uh, obviously he's had a lot more conditioning in 2015 than, uh, than California Chrome. So, uh, again, Opportunity, now a five-year-old from the Baffert Burn. He'll be one to watch. But the big news is California Chrome. Well, you're not going to get to see him around the U.S. uh, do his uh, morning workouts much. Um, It looks like uh, he is going to be heading out and pointing to Dubai again. One thing that did happen in that race Now that the horse is owned uh, in partnership by Perry Martin and TaylorMade Farm, he's the highest-earning California bred of all time with $6,442,650, which uh, made Art Sherman very proud as he considers himself a California boy. So uh, it looks like after his trip to Dubai, he's going to be pointing to the Breeders' Cup Classic, uh, possibly could use the Pacific Classic uh, in between as a prep. So we'll wish him best. I'm assuming there'll be no side trips uh, to Europe uh, this year. Okay, well, we did get a couple of three-year-olds out of the barn, and they're starting to uh, wind up for their uh, debuts. One, the undefeated 14 Hands Winery Breeders' Cup Juvenile Philly Songbird, winner of, of that Breeders' Cup race. Uh, I'm thinking she's a slam dunk to be named champion two-year-old as the Eclipse Awards uh, do come up this weekend. And uh, she uh, worked a bullet 
58-1 last Friday. Mike Smith was in the saddle, so Songbird looking real good. And uh, looks like she's pointing to the $300,000 loss for Janie's at Santa Anita. It's a grade two, and that would be February 6th. Now, on the boys' side of things, uh, Mohamed had a sharp half-mile work, and he's going to be the East Coast threat, it looks like right now. He's prepping for the Holy Bull, 350000 grade two. That'll be run January 30th at Gulfstream Park. Uh, went four furlongs in 47-4, and four, galloped out five-eighths in just over a minute flat. So it'll be very interesting for this runner from the Kieran McLaughlin Barn. Uh, that was a second work week for the son of Tappet, who we announced last week, of course, uh, ended up 2015 as being the leading sire in the United States. <laughs> and, uh, they knew that when this horse went through the ring. Obviously, uh, Mo Amen uh, looked pretty darn good. Sold as a yearling at $2.2 million. So uh, we'll we'll find out uh, what he's made of as a three-year-old, but things are looking good. Uh, he's going to be pointing to the, the Florida series, the $400,000 Fountain of Youth, and the $1 million Florida Derby. But uh, we'll also see after Saturday, he is one of the three finalists for the Eclipse Award as champion two-year-old male, along with uh, undefeated Nyquist and Aerial Force, a grade two and grade three winner last year. All right, let's take a look at some of last week's results. Uh, Speedway Stables collected, made the most of his first start on dirt. We talked about that last week. Uh, nice, smooth victory from just off the pace in the $100,000 sham stakes. It was a grade three at Santa Anita, trained by Bob Baffert, uh, his stablemate, Let's Meet in Rio, Got the second spot with a late rally. So uh, collected now. He's by City Zip, who was very hot last year. And uh, he was a $170,000 purchase. So uh, they say that uh, the way he was working in the morning, thought we'd try him on dirt. Baffert says, I wasn't convinced he was a turf horse. He had to dig down to this. So collected was sent off at the 3-2 and two favorite. It was a four-way Speed duel, uh, Martin Garcia took him back a little bit. They they let a long shot go on, and then he pulled ahead, just swallowed up the field before passing six furlongs in one eleven and 4 And uh, so collected, one to watch from the Baffert Barn. And don't forget, let's meet in Rio was the second spot. Baffert again loaded. Uh, let's see, in the inner borough, it was La Verdad, and uh, this is kind of interesting, is that uh, La Verdad is getting ready to uh, uh, head to the, to the breeder's breeding shed, I should say, and uh, she is scheduled to be bred to Medaglia Dioro. I think they're going to try to squeeze one more win out of her in the Barbara Fritchie at Laurel Park. She came in second in that race uh, last year. Some of the races that uh, we handicapped here on Winning Ponies last week, uh, we had uh, our friend Pete Aiello, the man who bellows on the microphone and will soon be making his debut at Oaklawn Park. So we went to the Gulfstream, where Pete's uh, been calling races down there during the winter. Uh, the Marshawas River, 
no surprise here, Even Money, a beautiful ride by Javier Castellano on the Irish bread San Diva. Got the job done. Of course, Todd Pletcher trains this horse. And in the second spot, a little bit sassy, a little bit of a long shot at 16 to 1. And in the third spot, another Irish bred, Hope Cross, was the winner. Another race that uh, Pete and I handicapped was the Hales Hope. And uh, the winner in here, my pick, no big deal, went off at 2 to 1, Mashawish. And uh, this is a son of Medallia Dioro. Todd Pletcher trains. It looks like now this horse may go down to the Don Handicap or the Gulfstream Park Turf, and then he's probably headed to Dubai where he might get a chance to run against California Chrome in the $10 million Dubai World Cup. Uh, in the the Hales Hope, uh, in the, uh, the second spot was Valid and third Grande Shores. All right, last race that uh, Pete and I handicapped was the Fort Lauderdale, and it was the outside horse in here, heart-to-heart, broke great, rated beautifully, and held them all off under a beautiful ride by Julian Leparu. So that was a look at the races that we handicapped last week. Again, we're going to have Dean Kepler later on in the show and going to kind of go coast-to-coast with a variety of tracks that are putting up some top races in between that we're gonna get with steve bick one of the busiest guys in thoroughbred racing so we're gonna take a little bit of a break we'll be right back on winning ponies the opening kickoff is a beauty it's a fly ball deep right field from high school to the pros we, we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports and they're off what can't make it to the track you can still get all the action with winningponies.com the home of the easy win form the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds quarters and arabian horses at most american and canadian tracks whether it be the triple crown breeders cup travers haskell or your daily races don't worry let winningponies.com make some money for you your internet flagship station for sports America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me now, uh, gentlemen that I've been uh, reading and listening to for years, uh, I imagine he gets about two hours sleep a night. Uh, Steve Vick from At The Races, uh, he's been a race writer, a broadcaster. He's the guy that launched uh, DerbyTrail.com back in 2003. Uh, 
he's, he's been a writer for, for major magazines. Uh, he's put together a racing stable, DT Stables, back in 2006, and uh, just very popular and uh, one, of the, one of the great ambassadors of the sport that this game needs so much. Steve Beck, thanks for joining us on Winning Ponies. John, a pleasure. I'm delighted you have invited me. Well, uh, do me a favor. Walk us through your career, starting with uh, when you were probably a little kid and first got the excitement of going to the races with somebody. Uh, my grandfather gets credit for that, uh, as opposed to my dad. My dad was never. My dad's a big sports fan, but he was never that much uh, of a of a gambler and and not that interested in the in the track. My grandfather started taking me. Uh, probably around 1969 or 1970 is the date that I, I pretty much guess uh, he first started taking me to Belmont and Aqueduct. And uh, even then later, I can remember Connecticut, uh, him wanting to go up to Narragansett, uh, in fact, uh, when we were living in the Hartford area. Uh, and he would come to visit from New York, from Long Island. But uh, the first time I ever went to the racetrack, he took me to Aqueduct, and Joe Namath was in the box next to us. Wow! And I, yeah, and I thought I've got Namath's autograph on a program, and I thought to myself, "This is really cool. This, this, <laughs> this is even better than going to Shea to see the Jets." Uh, the, you know, the, the whole atmosphere was pretty was pretty remarkable, and and I always had an interest, but it took you know a number of years really for the the interest to kind of coalesce and get an opportunity to go to the track on any kind of regular basis. Well, um, now, how did your, your, your passion continue? It's great to go with, with Grandpa to the races, but sooner or later you find yourself being a teenager or perhaps a college kid. Um, there's probably lulls in between there. Kind of connect the dots for me. Hey, you know, I went to Colgate, uh, upstate New York, and uh, dated a girl at, at, at Skidmore, and so, you know, coming to Saratoga, even off-season, a little bit of the, you know, the atmosphere and, and the, you know, the whole way in which the racetrack and, and the racing history is, is imbued in the Saratoga area. And, and then, really, later on, uh, I had a you know, business career that took me really all across the country, and Whenever the occasion would arise, you know, typically on things like Derby Day and, and Triple Crown Days, you know, I'd go to various local tracks. I was working for Procter & Gamble in Cincinnati and would go to River Downs, would go to Latonia, uh, then lived in Kansas City, went up to Exarbon. Uh, one of my good friends from college, you know, he had become a big uh, fan uh, of the game. And, and so whenever we would get together, I would come back east. You know, we would go to big events. We'd go to the Belmont uh, Day, and then we'd go to uh, Preakness every year because he lived uh, in the Washington area. And, you know, then I sort of circled back to the Northeast eventually. And once I got back within within range of, of a, any number of racetracks, you know, principally Monmouth, I, I worked in Brielle. I lived in Brielle and worked in Lakewood, New Jersey. And Monmouth was the racetrack of all places that I got to start going like four days a week. And so I would say it was really the, the late 80s when I landed uh, back on the East Coast and had a chance at that point you know, to go regularly. And then I lived in Montreal for 10 years and got to go to Saratoga virtually every week. 
and uh, then eventually settled here uh, in 1999. Uh, and that's when the Spurs really were kind of put to my interests and things uh, turned the way they did, uh, you know, writing about the game and doing some work for Blood Horse and, you know, working around the racetrack uh, and then uh, the handicapping and Derby Trail and uh, invited to be on the radio and at the races and became a regular and became a co-host and then the show landed in my lap and, in 2007, and I and I, and I don't I I don't think I could recreate John what happened uh, if I tried uh, the way things unfolded. Well, uh, all I can say is you know in, in listening to your broadcast, your uh, enthusiasm and kind of positive eye on the sport uh, certainly comes across. Uh, you know, with with your delivery. But here's what I want to know: I, I work hard at this show, doing one hour a week. How the heck do you do a whole week? What is a day in the life of Steve Beck? Uh, it, you know, the, the the sport pretty much is it's front and center uh, seven days a week, and I, I you know I have an interest really in in all the different areas uh, of the sport and. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm always either reading something or looking into something, uh, handicapping, and it's just nonstop. I don't, uh, my interest, frankly, in other team sports is, is pretty much waned, uh, don't have much interest uh, otherwise, and I just am pretty much imbued fully and fully vested in the game. And uh, if I find something of interest, uh, I keep track of it and make it a topic of the show, you know, people, people say, you know, how do you do, you know, 15 hours a week, three hours a day, Monday through Friday. It's really not hard. I mean, there is so much to talk about, whether it's the, you know, the action on the ovals, uh, whether it's breeding and pedigree, you know, which we do in one way or another. Uh, this week, of course, you have the Keeneland uh, January Horses of, uh, of All Ages sale. Uh, we started the sale season, so there's sale discussion, there's horse health, there's aftercare, there's you know virtually every element of the game uh, that I can you know that I can touch on. And the idea is to keep people in, entertained, uh, informed, uh, excited about the sport, uh, and you know and trying to teach them you know what they might not know. I mean, they might be a top handicapper and a, and a great horse player, uh, but they might not know all that much about other areas of the game. And, uh, you know, the conversations we have with Dr. Alday, uh, probably the top veterinarian in the game, and, uh, you know, Dr. Alday, you know, every week for, for 10 years. Uh, Tony Black, uh, you know, 23rd winningest jock in, in the sports history. Tony is with us you know, every week, uh, there's all the various guests and regulars uh, are all, I think, uh, pretty much filled with the same kind of spirit that I've got, which is uh, having people engaged. And, uh, you know, I had one of the great old voices, uh, in the game's history this week, uh, Harvey Pack was with me on Tuesday and 89 years old. And if you listen to Harvey, he sounds the same as he did uh, in 1980. And just as enthusiastic, and, and just as uh, filled with uh, with interest and uh, and curiosity about you know the tomorrow's race card uh, as he was you know 40 years ago, and uh, that's the kind of spirit that uh, I, I'm trying to foster and and trying to offer 
because there's so much more good about the game than uh, a certain percentage of, of people want you to believe. And uh, trying to get that positive message out, uh, to me, is, is really important. Well, you do a great job of it, and I want to uh, beg my listeners to go to your site and listen to the Harvey Pack interview. It was like I was in a comedy club. It was fantastic, and it was all uh, just coming right off of him like like nothing. It didn't matter which way you went with with, with the uh, your no. questions. He no. had a hilarious answer for every one. Well, and that's what make that's what makes Harvey so unique and special, and that's why he has been as popular. I mean, he hasn't been in the public eye for quite a while now, but at the same time, it's why his the era that he represents from basically the early '70s when he was doing radio recreations uh, until he was uh, part of Naira's presentation. He basically helped create the entire you know, paddock club uh, concept that uh, is on every simulcast broadcast these days. He created all of that. Uh, the replay shows, he created uh, the, you know, the, the nightly half-hour recap show concept. And that's all Harvey Pack. And then the, you know, the famous Ciro seminars uh, at, at Ciro's uh, in Saratoga uh, in the mornings before the race days uh, that, that introduced so many you know, well-known pundits and, and horse, uh, uh, you know, horsey-type uh, uh, dames and handicappers to people uh, that became so popular. And he did it with an incredible humor and a, a special self-effacing style uh, that it was impossible not to like. And I used to go see him at, at Ciro's. It was part of a ritual. You know, you'd come down to Saratoga on Friday afternoon after work, uh, start to drink and party, and uh, then, you know, rush to Ciro's on Saturday morning and, and, you know, get a bagel and coffee and, and listen to Harvey and Steve Christ and Andy Serling, uh, whatever combination of, of guests, Dave Lippin, uh, John Preachy, Paul Kornman, uh, you know, uh, just a who's who uh, of, of that era. And it... I think there's just countless players that had that shared experience. Uh, and even if you didn't do it at Saratoga, you could go see Harvey at Aqueduct in Belmont before the races in the Paddock Club. And uh, it, it's just a, a shared experience that such a, a big percentage of players have had. And you know, then he was introduced, of course, uh, in the early Breeders' Cup broadcast, the first five years of the Breeders' Cup. Uh, he was part of the telecast, and uh, a guy that uh, I think just you know took people by the hand and, and led them into the sport in a in a very painless manner. Uh, because even his message was, even if you're going to lose today, you're still going to have fun, and there's still tomorrow. And and if you didn't win today, you'll you'll win tomorrow. Exactly. I'd rather have a bad day at the races than a good day anywhere else. We're talking with Steve Bick. Uh, Again, uh, you know, your your, your website uh, at the races is fantastic. Obviously, people have real jobs and stuff like that, and they can't 
perhaps listen to you all, all the time, but it's so great to go back in there. And I can't believe how many people uh, just in this last couple of weeks that you've had on their personal friends of mine. Uh, I used to work with uh, with Rich Ng. I've known him for years. I, I get him on this show as often as I can. Of course, uh, uh, recently, uh, tip of the cap to the Hennigan brothers. Great guys. They're going to get an Eclipse Award on, on Saturday. Uh, that was extremely entertaining. It was great to work with them, too, when they did the uh, the report on uh, Perry Utes, the sport's 11th leading rider, and uh, Ed DeRosa. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm going to bet at some point in time you and I have stood in the same line getting ready to make a bet because I grew up in upstate New York, lived in Albany, my brother worked at Saratoga, and then I moved out here and ended up working at, at River Downs, Latonia, and Turfway. So at some point in time, we've bumped into each other. I no doubt, and you know, I see you. Of course, I see you at, at the, any number of of events, and you know, you're you're also being uh, very modest about uh, your involvement uh, and and helping the Hannigans earn their second eclipse because uh, the the Perry Utes uh, story. In fact, Perry with a win already tonight at Turfway. I saw the, in the opener. Uh, you were instrumental in, in uh, making that happen, and uh, you know the work that you've done for years uh, in the region. Uh, is enviable and and so widely respected, John. I mean, uh, you're an institution uh, there in the tri-state. <laughs> most people say I should be in an institution, but thank you very much, Steve. <laughs> I appreciate that so much. Well, again, we've had the uh, the joy of talking with Steve Bick. Don't forget, tune into his show at the races with Steve Bick. If you can't listen to it live, uh, pull down his website, listen to the broadcast. He brings in the, the best of the best, the creme de la creme, and does a fantastic job of being an ambassador of thoroughbred racing. Steve, you're the best. Thank you, man. Very kind. I uh, wish uh, all your listeners a, a, a terrific uh, 2016. It's going to be a great year. I, I hope so. Well, thanks again for being on with us. We're going to take a little bit of a break here, and then it's time to start breaking it down, doing some handicapping with Dean Kepler. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need to bitch his ass and then move on. I just just think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. (laughs) NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports.
You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, Dean Kepler. I've had him on a few other times. The response has always been great, and he's usually pretty dead on with his picks. Of course, he's got uh, uh, quite a resume there. Uh, he's been uh, handicapping thoroughbreds for over 30 years, uh, the former director of the Daily Racing Forum Press. Um, he has authored uh, at least two books I know about, uh, Trainer Angles and uh, Betting the Kentucky Derby. I love Trainer Angles, and I have a hard copy. I need to get it autographed one of these days. Um, of course, he, he was featured in Kep's Corner uh, on the Pollock Report and uh, pretty much a, a guy with a whole lot of experience under his belt. Dean Kepler, welcome to Winning Ponies. John, thanks for having me on again. appreciate it. Uh, happy to, happy. Like I said, the, the times I've had you on, we've made our, miss, our listeners uh, s- some money. Well, uh, coming up on Saturday, uh, we've got uh, the... The, the Eclipse Awards, and uh, it looks to me like there's a couple that are going to be, you know, sure things, and, and, and a few others that, that might be close calls. Uh, what, what did you think about the American Pharaoh phenomenon effect in racing last year? You know, you know, what could you say? It, it was, uh, you know, one of the best things to happen in racing in a long time. Um, you know, just the fan base that this horse brought, uh, and you know, the casual player, I guess, uh, and fans of fans that weren't even racing fans that uh, you know recognized the name now and came together, and it was you know it was really something special, and it's uh, it's a shame we can't get to see him run again uh, this year. That you know that would have been something else. Uh, absolutely. Now, and, and it's going to be so hard to replicate. I mean, let's face it, the Triple Crown wasn't replicated for 37 years. But uh, I, I know you've got your finger on the pulse. I'm just wondering if we've got kind of a cool uh, eventual East-West uh, knockout match that's going to happen at some point along the Derby Trail between uh, Mohamed and Nyquist. Yeah, I mean, Nyquist is, uh, you know, I think he was kind of underrated until his uh, effort in the Breeders' Cup, and then I think uh, he kind of turned a lot of heads there. And, you know, I, he's a really nice horse, um, you know, and he's, uh, you know, he can't, he can't you know, actually uh, knock the other uh, finalists to uh, Aero Force, who's done nothing wrong as well. He seems like, a, you know, a really, really sharp horse as well. He's been very consistent this year. Well, uh, again, in, uh, Nyquist and Mohamed certainly in the top barns, and Nyquist being a, a son of Uncle Mo, who I believe ended up being the first uh, crop uh, leading sire. So it, it'll be interesting. But uh, we, we always know that uh, there's horses laying out there that can jump up and surprise us. But um, whether or not one of those will be able to replicate the excitement of American Pharaoh, probably a long shot. But either way, it looks like we've got some pretty good matchups going. And, you know, Probably the, the uh, Rodney Dangerfield of thoroughbred racing has to be swipe. I mean, this poor horse runs behind a horse that may well be crowned champion on Saturday, Nyquist, four times in a row. Yeah, it's just uh, <laughs> that's unfortunate for him and his connections. Uh, you know, um, you know what could you say? <laughs> you know, the thing is. Uh, 
you, know, you mentioned his name, and not too many people are going to, you know, those that are in the know will know who he is. But, you know, um, unfortunately, despite all those top efforts, you know, he's not a, a name that's, uh, you know, that you're going to hear. <laughs> Well, we'll we'll find out because uh, he was he was coming at Nyquist uh, down at at the Breeders' Cup again. There'll be many of them, uh, you know, lurching out there. But uh, what I like about Swipe is the story. I mean, uh, he's by Birdstone, who you know won the the Belmont Stakes, so he's probably got pedigree that'll get him the distance. But he sold at Keeneland for only five thousand dollars, so uh, definitely. Uh, Turf riders will have a chance to get their teeth into into this horse should he throw an upset somewhere along the line because I'm sure he's out training on the West Coast with uh, Keith DeSormo. So it, it will be interesting. And, again, it was it was a fun ride with American Pharaoh. I, I hope he generated some new fans, uh, people that will be interested in uh, the sport in general and shows like this, Dean. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, I think one division in the Eclipse Awards, which will be interesting, uh, where there's real, uh, not a standout, is the three-year-old female uh, division. And uh, one of my favorites in there, Stellar Wind, uh, although she didn't uh, she didn't pull through in the Breeders' Cup, I, you know, I was a little disappointed because I had bet on her heavily in that race. And, uh, you know, I was on the side there. Probably should have been a DQ in that race. But anyway, she's, that's uh, one division with uh, Found and... I'm a chatterbox, which I think will be a really close call as to uh, come, who comes out on top in, in that uh, three-year-old female voting. Um, Mark Simon uh, from the Daily Racing Forum penned an interesting article this week, um, and it directly relates to this division, in that a horse from Europe can come over, win one race in North America, like founded, uh, obviously, from a Great Barn and a daughter Galileo that beat the boys. There's a lot of pluses there, but uh, the, the fact that a horse could come over from Europe, win one race, and then be be crowned an American champion. I believe up in Canada, you've got a race in Canada at least twice to be considered uh, for what their divisional uh, championships would be. Yeah, I guess that uh, you know votes well for his, you know, his comments in there about tweaking, you know, some of the rules in there. Uh, there's always some room for improvement, and, you know, such is the case in this, uh, this scenario here. It, you know, it probably needs a little bit of adjustment. I'm not sure which way, but uh, it seems a little unfair. Yeah, I mean, and she was a sensational filly. I mean, she, she, you know, ran right behind the heralded Golden Horn. You know, she didn't have any problem facing boys, facing older horses. But, uh, you know, it's kind of like, you know, this is America's crown. I'm not saying you got to run every race here, but you ought to run more than just, just one. Just just one handicapper's op- op- opinion there, Dean. Sure. Um, <laughs> Well, uh, like I said uh, earlier in the show, we've got uh, two races uh, from uh, New Orleans down at the fairgrounds uh, that may have impact on uh, some of the uh, Kentucky Oaks or Kentucky Derby or certainly points races leading up to them. Uh, Now, the Silver Bowl Day isn't graded, isn't a points race, but it will lead into points races uh, at the fairgrounds for the three-year-old Phillies. Um, Again, lightly raced. Um, the the three that kind of bubble to the top for me are on the outside stage play, trained by Steve Asmussen, uh, has had really solid speed figures every single race. Then down along the rail, you got the uh, Jet Black Magic, a Louisiana bred who still looks pretty darn impressive. And uh, then this lovable list, 
this race at a mile and 70 yards, this horse has already won at the distance and did it in a good clocking. What's your read on the Silver Bullet Day? Yeah, I, I went back and watched the replay again on Lovable List, and, uh, you know, she, she moves up into uh, stakes competition for the first time. She'll be making her third start off the layoff. She's two for two this year, uh, both over this track, and I just thought her wire-to-wire win last time was uh, very impressive. Uh, her ears are pricked at the wire. She looked like she could have went around again, and uh, I just, you know, I was really, really impressed by this visually, and I think uh, she has a, a good chance to repeat here. She's uh, by Big Brown, and, um, you know, should have no problem once uh, the distances increase a little bit, and I think she's a big threat in this spot here. Um, I also like, you know, like you said, you can't really say anything bad about stage play. His uh, buyers have been uh, consistently in the 80s. He's two for three last time. He's trained by Steve Asmussen. Uh, he's training well. Uh, but he'll you know, be making his first start since the end of November. And uh, maybe he'll need a race. Uh, I mean, uh, maybe she'll need a race. So my top picks in here would be uh, the four lovable lists. Um, I'm going to put Jet Black Magic, uh, the one you mentioned, with Brett Calhoun second, and then uh, stage play third. Well, again, getting back to, to stage play, uh, when people uh, take a look at the past performances, if they go back to the January 3rd workout, now this is a just-turned-three-year-old Philly daughter, Curlin. She had the best work at 85 on the track. So she may well be on her toes, and she's going to get a new jockey by, with Florent Giroux, who's batting 27% down there on Gentilly Boulevard. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think it, the other thing with uh, Jet Black Music, too, is I think she uh, should be able to set a, a nice trip in there. Um, and, uh, you know, she draws post one, should get a favorable trip, uh, as also has uh, worked extremely well over the, the fairground strip. And uh, her last race was in the uh, grade three Delta Princess was, you know, it was over a wet track, but she just destroyed a very short-priced horse in there and just ran right by her and, uh you know, she's certainly one that uh, deserves top billing in here, too, with, you know, the 48. Well, you're going to bet them. you got to box them, and those will be the three that, that I'm boxing in there over, over the weekend down at the fairgrounds. That's a silver bullet day. Now, a horse uh, race that could have uh, implications uh, for Louisiana Derby for sure uh, would be the LeCompte. And something I read this evening is, there's a possibility of four horses scratching in here. I understand for sure Noble Thoughts out, who's injured, but they're saying that some of the trainers are looking for other spots for the eight Battle Tap, uh, the nine Indigo Breeze, and the 14 Tarpon Bay Road. So it looks like the outside horse uh, from Dallas Stewart's barn, Tom's Ready, is going to draw in. I don't know if you had that information or not, or if that impacts any of your your selections in here. Uh, so again, we got lightly race horses turning three. Some changes in here, and a horse that will draw some interest, I'm sure, to a lot of fans, is uh, a ten to one shot by the name of Dolphus, who's a half brother to Rachel Alexandra, ridden by Brian Hernandez. And a lot of people don't know this, but I was there the day that uh, Brian Hernandez broke Rachel Alexandra's maiden downtown at Keeneland. Uh, it looks like you know the other probably major players might be uh, Uncle Walter and another Uncle Mo. Uh, Corey Lannery flying in from Florida to ride for trainer Tom Amos. Uh, this is a horse that looks like he could really benefit from a lot of the speed that's in this race. 
Yeah, you watch his last race where he, you know, uh, typically you don't make up as much ground over a sloppy surface as he did at Churchill, and he he closed up on the rail really, really well in that race. Um, it was beat, I, I guess, a length and three quarters, according to the PPs. But that was uh, that was a visually impressive race too, and he's come back to work extremely well over the track. Uh, best of uh, 41 uh, drill, going five furlongs on. Uh, the 16th, and then, uh, I mean, uh, January 6th, and then came back uh, on the 11th and worked well again. Um, you know, all these horses by Uncle Mo seem to be, seem to be runners. Uh, the horse that interests me a little bit is, uh, to the inside, is number two, Fish Trap Road, uh, trained by Brett Calhoun. Uh, the horse has got a lot of speed. He's been uh, battling a lot of the top horses up in New York pretty much uh, all summer and all fall. And I just think he's going to sit a nice trip in here. He should find himself on or close to the lead. Um, he bait a nice horse called Sudden Surprise for Todd Pletcher, who is four for five lifetime. Uh, his buyers seem to be in the, moving in the right direction. And uh, I think he's going to trip out really well in there. And he's got Robbie Alvarado in the saddle. Well, what do you think about the other Uncle Moen here, Uncle Walter? Yeah, Uncle Walter, you know... Um, you know, he only has two races, so he certainly has, has room to improve. Uh, you can't uh, dismiss anything uh, owned by Kenneth Sarah Ramsey and Michael Maker, of course. And uh, he's coming off a little bit of a layoff, too. And he'll be stretching out, which should not be an issue. And it's like he, he scored an 84 buyer last time, was only beaten by a head um, by a couple of next out winners, I believe, in that race. And. You know, he certainly looks like a horse that, that's got some talent as well. This is a very, uh, seems to be a very contentious field, despite the fact that we got some horses, like you mentioned, dropping out. And one unfortunate one that got injured was number, was number six, Noble Thought, who would have been my long shot play in that race. I just thought his last maiden win over the track was quite impressive. He was uh, very game and showed some good speed from the outside post. So that's a bit of a shame that he's going to make, you know, not going to be able to make it into this, this race today. Absolutely. Well, we're, we're talking with, with Dean Kepler here, handicapping two from Louisiana down at the fairgrounds. Again, they'll have uh, uh, an effect on horses prepping for the Derby Oaks, Louisiana Derby, Louisiana Oaks. Uh, we're going to take a little bit of a break here. And when we come back, we're going to go to Gulfstream Park for the Sunshine Millions Classic and hopefully on to Santa Anita for the Lock Canada. You're listening to Winning Ponies. to the pros we, we cover, everything. cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports and they're off what can't make it to the track you can still get all the action with winningponies.com the home of the easy win form the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds quarters and arabian horses at most american and canadian tracks whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America. 
America's Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, experienced handicapper and author Dean Kepler is with us. And uh, good news, he is heading to the National Handicapping Championship coming in here in two weeks. So we bring you the best here on Winning Ponies as far as handicappers are concerned. Now, for many years, Dean wasn't eligible to go in because he worked for the Daily Racing Forum. <laughs> he doesn't anymore, so he's got the shot. Uh, how are you feeling? you got to be happy about becoming eligible, and can I get a loan? Yeah, it's, uh, it's exciting. Like I said, this is my first time. Uh, competing in NHC, and uh, you know, you're. It's going to be tough. You know, of course, you got 650 or 700. Uh, you know, <laughs> excellent handicappers, the best in the business that you're competing against. But uh, you know, hopefully, you go out there and uh, have a good showing and pick up a check somewhere. I guess that's uh, probably everybody's goal. Just wondering, which contest got you in? There was a, a free contest uh, through, I think, NTRA. Uh, it was last March where they had a, I guess, total of over 1,700 entries, and you had to finish in the top three, and I did by, literally by 20 or 30 cents. It literally came down to the last race. Um, so I was able to get through to it. So like I said, it was free, and, and I was very fortunate. You know, you know, a lot of guys spend uh, thousands of dollars or at least uh, hundreds of dollars trying to get in, you know, and qualify. And I was able to do it, you know, in a free contest, and it was probably, uh, I probably only competed in two or three all year, so um, very, very lucky to get in. So hopefully uh, I can make the best of this opportunity. Well, to land in the top three in a, in a group that big says a lot about your handicapping ability, of which I'll put you to the test right now. Of course, uh, coming up on Saturday, it's the Sunshine Millions. Uh, no longer is it a California, Florida matchup just strictly florida breads going going for the money and I, I thought i'd pick the richest race of the day uh it will be fun though I, I love cards that put together state breads because you get a chance to compare apples to apples these horses aren't strangers to one another they've raced against each other over the years and uh the, the classic goes a mile and an eighth and uh, it's brought together an interesting field with the horse that won it last year Sir Quizquiano, and the horse that ran third last year, Catholic Cowboys. They're back to uh, match strides again. I, I do notice that Luch Racing Stable that had last year's winner um, has another one, Ron Paolucci. This guy's got to be one heck of a handicapper and knows how to claim a horse. Uh, he, he claimed uh, Sir Quizquiano last year prior to this race for 62000 and the horse now has earnings of 747 Meanwhile, he picks up this run with bulls for 12500 last year in March, and the horse ended up winning the claiming crown iron horse at Gulfstream Park. Last time out, Javier Castellano was in the saddle that day, and he will be on Saturday. Saturday rather. Uh, Ron Paolucci, all I can say is Luch Stable. This guy knows how to claim a good horse. Absolutely. You know, the thing is, uh, runs with bulls, just my he's. 
you know, he's won three races in a row, and he just might trip out again as, uh, you know, the main, I would call, stalker in this trip. And one of the things about this race that, you know, jumped off the page right away at me is there was really no speed. Uh, until you go to the outside, you know, two horses, the eight, which you had mentioned, and the number nine, Mr. Jordan, who was um, coming back in a, a pretty quick turnaround. His last race was January 9th, where he had some trouble, and he's back in here again. But if you look to the inside of these horses, there, you know, everybody seems to have the you know the same closing style, which uh, should make it a very interesting race here. Yeah, I, I got to guess that uh, Eddie Place uh, is just throwing out uh, the Hell's Hope. Uh, obviously, wasn't mad at Joe Bravo. He's back in the saddle. Uh, the horse, as you said, uh, likes to go to the front, but was bumped out of that gate in the Hell's Hope. Uh, and I think it kind of changed his whole thing. He got shuffled back early, and then Joe kind of made a move with him to get him back into the race at, at a mile. Uh, he's never never won at the distance, but uh, Mr. Jordan, yeah, coming back that quickly, a week's rest, um, could be a challenge or could be a race you just put a line through. Um, how about uh, this horse, uh, Mexicoma? Johnny V is going to be up on this horse. When I look at the speed figures on these animals, uh, without a doubt, this is a horse with the most consistent buyers coming into the Classic. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, one thing that certainly stands out for him is, uh, you know, his last three, actually, uh, last three buyers, 93, 96, and 97, pretty much, uh, <laughs> pretty much lay over this field as far as uh, recent numbers. And, you know, it's the kind of horse that's 9-2 to two morning line that uh, might kind of get lost in, the, you know, lost in the betting. And, you know, if you can get that 9-2 to two or even 5-6 to six to 1 on him, I think you're getting some great value. Obviously, you're getting uh, a terrific, uh, you know, a terrific jockey in the irons. And, um, you know, like I said, if you can get that kind of a price, I think he, you know, he would be my bet in here um, in a race that just looks like a, an all-out scramble. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, it's really tough to uh, it's really tough to pinpoint, you know, who's going to be in the front, and you know, whoever gets to the lead might just might just get away, and that could be Mr. Jordan. I did look up some stats on uh, Eddie Puzzer as far as quick turnarounds, and he was two for fifteen with uh, you know coming back in a, a week's rest over five years, something he doesn't do often, but you know, he does have a couple wins, which shows he can do it. Uh, but this is really an interesting matchup of. Uh, of horses in here. Well, you may find value in there really quickly now. We'll go out to Santa Anita. My producer's telling me I only got a couple minutes left. Uh, the La Canada, grade two, mile and a sixteenth. I think uh, the interesting horses are all on the outside. It's a short field. You got Yahilwa, Bird at the Wire, and Terrace. Now, both Bird at the Wire and Terrace are stretching out a little bit, but certainly they have a lot of talent. When you look at all three of those horses that I just stated, I think, on average, their last nine starts were all in graded stakes races. Yeah, and I landed on the five, uh, Yahilwa, and what led me here, you know, like I said, the three outside horses seem to be pretty evenly matched, but I'm following Mike Smith here, and he takes over the mound from uh, from Graham. This horse is, uh, talk about that's been consistent against graded states competition. His last eight starts um, have been in grade ones, grade twos, and grade threes, and he's been very competitive in all those races. He's got a couple wins over the Santa Anita surface. Switches to Mike Smith, the big money rider in here, and uh, this horse seems to excel when he gets some time off. And you know, I think this is going to be definitely the one to beat in here. 
All right, well, we're, t- we're talking with uh, handicapper and author Dean Kepler. Very interesting observation, especially when I look at these three horses, that he went right to Mike Smith because Mike Smith won the Grade 1 La Brea on Bird at the Wire and decides to go to Yahilwa. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, that's the first thing that caught my eye, which I thought was interesting. And, uh, you know, take nothing away from uh, Bird at the Wire, who now switches Barnes into the uh, Tom Proctor. Um, you know, that was quite an impressive run, you know, from last to last to first, uh, you know, after getting off slowly in that last race. But, you know, it's very interesting that Smith comes off there and, you know, moves to the uh, the other horse, uh, you know, and that's the way I'm going to go. I mean, I don't want to look too too far into it. There could be some other reasons why there's a switch there. But, you know, usually when it comes to these graded stakes races, a grade two race, I'm going to go with Mike Smith here and his choice. All right. Well, I, I don't blame you. Dean Kepler, hey, thanks a million uh, for, for joining us. And more important than that, Best of luck out at the National Handicapping Championship. If you win, you got to promise you'll come back on the show. <laughs> no doubt about it, John. Thanks. I appreciate it, and uh, Happy New Year to everyone out there, and uh, hopefully everybody catches a lot of tickets in 2016. You got it. Dean Kepler, we've been talking with. want to thank Steve Bick. want to thank you for tuning in. That pretty much shuts it down. I got a chance to look over the manicured turf course over the Ohio River to the hills of Kentucky. Remember, everybody, when you go to the races – Pull down your easy win forms from Winning Ponies and bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.